Welcome back to Invisible City. We've missed you, but so many of you have reached out on Twitter and email that you have never felt too far away. We knew we would be back, but we didn't know when. The good news is, is the time is now and we have more episodes in the hopper than ever. We will be ramping up over the next weeks and months, and we are brimming with ideas, stories, and content that we can't wait to share. So many people continue to cross our paths, and we want you to be a part of our learning. We continue to seek to untangle the complexities of what makes cities tick to make the visible invisible in our cities. Although we've been away, the reprieve is over. A few cool things have happened that I would like to update you on. The first is our Webby Award. That's right, you heard that right. We won a Webby Award for Best Sound Design and Original Music in a Podcast. Brad and Ryan from Lossless Creative made the trek to New York City to walk the red carpet and bask in the glory. And damn, did they look good, if I do say so myself. We also have a refreshed website, www.invisiblecitypodcast.com. Take a look. We've tried to make it really easy to navigate, so check it out. I've also successfully transitioned from my five-year stint as chief planner at the City of Toronto into another life. I loved every minute of it, and no, for those of you who are asking, I do not miss it. I am relishing getting to know my family again. But more importantly, I've taken on a whole new adventure as the CEO of Creative Housing. It's true, I've become a developer and I'm having the time of my life collaborating with great people and pushing new approaches to ensuring that everyone in our cities has access to beautiful housing in complete communities. We have a whole series upcoming on affordable housing and this question of how to house everyone in the 21st century. So stay posted for that. In February of 2018, the Invisible City team set up an impromptu shop in Vienna in partnership with the Urban Future Global Conference. As Europe's largest event for sustainable cities, it's the place to meet the most passionate and inspiring city changers from all over the world. We've pulled together a series of five episodes that will be released over the upcoming weeks that came out of that conference and the conversations we had there. It pretty much features some of the most interesting people from across the globe who are truly driving change. I'm Jennifer Giesmatt, and this is Invisible City. Have you ever had a different vision of the future than the people around you? It can be tough seeing something that others don't yet see. In the 70s, my dad had this crazy idea that we should keep all of our food scraps in a bucket under the sink, later to be thrown into a small heap in the backyard with grass clippings, and later turned into our modest suburban garden. My friends thought he was a little nuts. Off his rocker, who held on to stinky food scraps and turned them back into the cycle of life. My dad was convinced that everyone should be doing this, that it just didn't make sense to throw food waste into a plastic bag and to cart it away in a truck to a landfill site miles and miles and miles away. But alas, he was ahead 
of his time. It would be many years before municipalities en masse would embrace composting and recycling programs. Hanging around the halls of an Urban Futures conference is a bit like hanging out with my composting dad in the 70s. People with ideas. People thinking about how to do things differently. How to live better, more lightly, more sustainably in our cities. According to Josephine Leo, it's like a place where all of the freaks of urbanism gather. Of course, I felt right at home. This is the first part of our five-part Vienna series. Listen in. So here I am in Vienna with Josephine at the Urban Futures Conference. And I have to say that um, I'm a little bit giddy because it's so exciting for me to be here at this conference. I have wanted to be here in the past and circumstances have made it very complicated. And here I find myself at this conference with global leaders from around the world who all really care about the same thing, which is changing cities, making cities better, seeing cities as a space for adaptation. You are a co-founder of this conference. Let's start right at the very beginning. Where did this idea come from and why does it matter? Well, thank you, Jennifer. It's really great to have you here finally. We couldn't make it last time. Um, and this time you did really great talks and I think everyone was so as inspired. Yeah. Uh, I didn't pay her to say that. That was completely, <laughs> completely unsolicited. <laughs> well, don't cut it, huh? <laughs> well, we started um, three or four years ago. Having Actually, many of us started since maybe decades trying to think about how to make life better as architects, as just as citizens. And in the early 90s and early um, 2000, it was not a very popular kind of a topic. People think yeah. you are totally out of your mind, the world. But uh, luckily, re in recent years, because I, I don't know if it's luck or not, but because of all this cr cr climate crisis, all this resource crisis, even political kind of uh, uh, instability really made people, force people to start looking at the problem and realizing that, okay, we have to solve those problems. And so we were kind of uh, riding a, 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 a rising wave yes, of yes. this uh, rising awareness of these problems. And we really want to do it. And we really want to create something that could facilitate people to, 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 to leverage their impacts in their own cities, in their own environmental industry whatsoever. But, uh, they need some, 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 um, some facilitators, some platform to 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 get help, and in in the sense that um, when we talk about cities, city business is very complicated, as you know it much better well, than you else. Well, you know, I love where you started with this piece, which was that when you first started thinking about this, that no one was really very interested because I kind of feel that. Um, has happened over the course of my career. I used to say to people that I was a city planner and people would look at me and go, whatever. Like people didn't really care. They weren't really interested. Now when I say I'm a city planner, people say, oh, let's talk about bike lanes. Let's talk about urban agriculture. And so I feel like I'm kind of in the center of this thing that happened. And it's funny because when I was trying to decide what to do with my life, 
um, I was, I, I, I wanted to do something that mattered. That was sort of my criteria in mm-hmm. looking for, I wanted to do something that really mattered. Right. Uh, somewhere where I could apply my passion and feel like I was making a difference in the world. And I read Saskia Sassen and her world city theory. And she basically argued the future will be cities. Absolutely. The future will not be nations. The future will not be state to state. The future will be city to city. And I read this when I was just in undergrad and I thought that's where I want to be. I want to be in the future. I want to be in that spot where change is happening, where decisions are being made, where transformation can take place. And to your point, I sort of feel like I rode the wave a little bit. <laughs> I rode the wave yeah, too. Absolutely. Cities have always been, had always been the, uh, the, the, the structure of, uh, administration since, since, since hundreds of years. And this nation thing, well, it's a kind of new in, in invention, but um, it's part. It's a little bit too complex for our uh, uh, human capacity of dealing with complex systems. Yes, yes. And it's imposed more costs uh, than, than than efficiency. But however, um, go back to uh, the initi- in- initiation of our conference. We know that cities are a complex business, and you have so many different interests conflicting. You have tenants, you have investors, you have policymakers, and invite uh, citizens. They they have all this kind of a uh, conflict interests. Yeah, yeah. But to go forward, to make any changes, to initiate anything, you have to bring them together, make mutual agreements, and therefore we started having this. Uh, this this conference as a platform to bring the design, the knowledge, the politics and finance together to have conversations. So this is what has struck me about being so special about about being here and having this conversation. The first piece is that you've got 3,000 people talking about cities, talk about building uh, momentum. And uh, yesterday mm-hmm. I called it a movement. I feel like I'm a part of a movement yeah. being here. The other is that you've literally brought people from across the globe, this commitment to being global and thinking about cities through a global lens and what we share as global challenges mm-hmm. in trying to be more sustainable and trying to be more innovative and forward thinking. That too strikes me as being very unique. It does it does have that movement movement feeling where there's people on a mission to do something transformative and everyone wants to help everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that was symbolized, I think, today I went to the Canadian consulate here in Vienna and uh, the city of Vancouver signed an agreement with the city of Vienna, a memorandum of understanding to mm-hmm. collaborate and mostly around... Um, uh, net zero housing and architecture and how we can actually design and really push the envelope around sustainable Mm -hmm. design. Mm -hmm. And those conversations are, and that collaboration and that sharing now in a very detailed way on specific projects in Calgary, sorry, in Vancouver and Vienna is an outcome of these kinds of conversations of getting people in the room and saying, wait a minute, where are you pushing the envelope? Where are we, where are we pushing the envelope? How can we all contribute to being transformational. Mm -hmm. You made the theme this year uh, city changers and people are walking around in t-shirts that say, I'm a city changer. Mm -hmm. And I really love this because I really think urbanism and the practice of urbanism, no matter what the lens is that you come at it from, 
is really about adapting and adaptations in the urban environment. Uh, what was the driver? Um, why the language around around city changers? Wow, that's a very good question. <laughs> well, it might be that it just kind of fit with the ethos of the kind of people that you get to these events. Yeah, actually, that's that's really true because uh, we are kind of uh, nurturing a tribe. Uh, sometimes people have innovators, sometimes people have uh, early adapters, but for us, it's these people who are passionate, really want to make change happen. And that's the, that's the mutual kind of a shared passion. That's the trigger why people are here. That these, these people, they, they could be, they could be freaks. They could be, uh, you know, the, the, the loners in their own environment, in their own cities, in industry. But here they, they, they see each other. They see all these like-minded people who want to make change happen. Because to make change happen is tremendous difficult. Well, and you know, because it's difficult, this notion of nurturing a tribe, uh, I love that language. I think it's, I often talk in the city of Toronto about, building constituencies, that we want to build constituencies for progressive ideas mm -hmm. so that when we come forward with a progressive idea like getting the cars off our a key transit corridor and dedicating that corridor to transit, you need to have different groups within the city, that different tribes to your point. Um, and those tribes need to be able to work together towards that shared interest. And we've seen that a little bit here over the past couple days uh, in the way information has been has been shared, um, we attended a great session on uh, rethinking Paris. And what was so powerful to me about the session about Paris wasn't the amazing things that Paris are doing, which they were amazing, but was also learning about the struggles, realizing it's been hard in Paris, and there's been some really bad news out of Paris with respect to the suburban communities. Um, really pushing back against uh, a vision of a future that's much more sustainable for, for the core. Uh, can you talk about the, the way you have seen outcomes beyond this event to nurture that tribe? Because I think that's really what this is about. This isn't about this moment. It's actually about the change that's going mm -hmm. to happen in cities. Yeah, it's, it's um, on one hand... As human nature, we, we really fear for unknown. We really fear for uncertainty. We fear for change. That's deeply in our genes. This, we cannot change, but we have to be, we have to be reasonable. We have to rationalize. We have to be able to see beyond our emotion, beyond our fears. So one of the really key objectives of doing this, it wasn't just about getting really passionate people in the room. It was actually about, it was about change. How do we make change happen? So, Give me a sense of what happens next. What comes out of this? The innovation piece, the labs piece. Right. Um, on one hand, this conference helps people to learn from each other's success and failure, so help them in their own domains. But on the other hand, we we really feel like we need some more radical kind of uh, acceleration because cities they they're being built. Hundreds of cities are being built in Asia, in in uh, in America, and. While we're discussing, we're debating, we're talking about policy making, this is not, we cannot see this is, this doesn't make sense. So we, we, we know that we need money. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that given the understanding of how our economy is changing, we want to, we, we, we need innovation. So you mentioned the word acceleration, and of course, money's, money's a big piece of it. It strikes me that 
really the debate we're constantly having in our cities is about where the money should be spent. There's money. Mm-hmm. It's a debate about where that where that money should go. Um, if we want, what can what can we do? What can change makers do to accelerate change in our cities in light of the fact that most of us don't control the purse, purse strings? It's incredibly difficult. Cities cannot afford trial and error in terms of innovation. That's a fact. And the feedback loop is too long anyways. And on the other hand, uh, it's like selling any product. People would ask you, oh, how would it look? You cannot tell. You have to show. And that's really the crucial part of our, uh, it's kind of a, suddenly we understand that we have to show if we believe in something that's tr- tremendously different and better, then we have to work it out. And this is the, this include new business model, this include new ways of looking at cities and in relation with, with citizens, with business, with, uh, environment. And so that, that's, that, so, we, then we come to the conclusion that we have to build our vision of the future. We have to convince the business or we, we need to come up, convince the partners in technology, partners in investment. And so, so that if we can convince those innovative thinking kind of forward looking people and having a, a, um, a group or a, a, a partnership and then we can show people how how change could be done. And then they, they would follow because that's a much better way to make money, to live, and to for basically for everything. So, you know, our city building does end up in this kind of um, catch-22 because on the one hand, um, we want to innovate, we need to do things in different ways. On the other hand, we want to see change before we'll commit to it and before we'll spend the money. And it can take a long time to make that happen. There's been a lot of talk over the past several days about the power of pilot projects, about the power of just going out and trying things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even a session this evening on yeah. fuck-ups, <laughs> things that have been tried that have gone wrong. That that You can bleep that out if you want, but that's really what the session's called. Um, it's actually about trying stuff that, that failed. Uh, what's the risk? Um, on the one hand we sort of can't move quickly enough. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we need to try stuff and inevitably we're going to get some stuff wrong. What's what's the risk that we face right now in kind of grasping at new tools for city building? The risk, one of the biggest risks, as you already talked about, is the kind of a, a one-dimensional uh, perspective to looking at technology, like the good example of cars. And the risk of forgetting what is essential, which is humanism, human, humanism, out, everything surrounding human. And, uh, the, 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 the risk of fail to look long term, but in, in, instead short term. And for example, long term development is that we're really reaching that, uh, that tipping point already that, uh, material kind of uh, abundance is making us to put much more value, particularly young generations to meaning, to social interaction, to finding purpose in life. And our, that, that means our future lifestyle would be changed dramatically. And that would require cities to have totally different, uh, orientations and urban settings to fulfill that new needs and which city could uh could could be 
a step ahead in this term, this type of changes, these cities would would success. Well, I'm so glad you've raised that because um, it always makes me nervous when people are talking about smart cities and it's, it sounds like it's about gadgets yeah. as opposed to being about, about people. And I do think that our cities um, did go a little, a little bit sideways really over the past five years. It was a ton of talk about technology and not enough talk about people Absolutely, and yeah. how we design, how we design for people. How do you keep that conversation really focused? How does that conversation not get away from us when let's face it, tech companies, um, whether it's Google or Amazon or Cisco, have a real vested interest in cities. That's where the population is. That's where they can collect data. How do we kind of hang on to that conversation and not lose the vision that cities are actually about people and, as you say, that human interaction? Well, I have to say I have no answer to that question. (laughs) It's a big one. It's a big one. You have to, I think, I'm not sure if it's a regulation or policy issue. I'm sure there are things that you, we have to, we have to do because this, this, uh, this, 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 this rising of the power of technology is something new, but we have a lot of new things in, in our history that we have to then later on develop some kind of a system to regulate that 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 power i i personally think that could happen and that should should happen um, i i don't think this is a, yeah the power of this new power is is much 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 bigger well there's a lot of talk about this right now in particular in relation to social media like twitter and facebook and the way that these entities have been able to operate in a completely unregulated way and there has been implications uh some pretty significant ones with respect to democracy uh and who gets elected where and who's doing the elected and that that lack of regulation regulation has always existed to protect the human interest and I would suggest that this is the risk we face in our cities as well, that new technologies, big, new, shiny thing, if we're not quick enough and agile enough to ensure we have regulations in place to protect the public interest, you know, there's going to be challenges. And on the other hand, I was also there might be solutions within technology. For example, all this data security, privacy issue might be quite easily solved by uh, blockchain technology, and for example. And also that, so I think maybe, hopefully with the help of uh, technology that the, the, the needs, demand for regu- human regulation would be, uh, would decline. Yeah, hopefully. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical on that, only because uh, I think that one of the challenges we face is um, powerful, powerful interests that are not in the public interest. And um, we're seeing this in our cities right now with respect to global capital and housing and the impact that's happening at a very tangible level on people's everyday lives. And unless there's regulation and more regulation, people won't have access to housing. It's pretty straight. It's yeah. pretty straightforward. So there's, you know, an opportunity to kind of capitalize on a growing interest in figuring this question out uh, around what our sustainable urban future looks like. Uh, Josephine, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you for having us here in in Vienna. And uh, we're going to be watching closely uh, every, every step as you move forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed creating it. Thanks to Daniel Fusca for being my Sherpa and lugging all of our equipment to Vienna and producing these episodes alongside me. Thank you to the team at Urban Futures Global Conference for their leadership in facilitating a global dialogue about change in our cities and for sponsoring this Vienna series. And also, just so that you know, you can subscribe to Invisible City Podcast so that you don't miss out. All of our episodes are also on our website, invisiblecitypodcast.com. If you like our work, give us a rating on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Invisible City is a product of Lossless Creative, a creative agency based in my beautiful city, Toronto. Each episode of Invisible City features an original score by Lossless Creative.